Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Welcome to Deathmatch, part three of four. This Chad and Cheese Deathmatch episode features Teg Greninger, CEO of Uncommon. Deathmatch took place at TA Tech on September 27th in Nowlands at 9 a.m. in the morning with a room full of TA Tech practitioners loaded with mimosas, Bloody Marys, beer, and Chad and Cheese snark. Enjoy. After a word from our sponsor. Okay, Joel, quick question. Yep. What happens when your phone vibrates or your texting alert goes off? <laughs> Dude, I pretty much check it immediately. And I bet everyone listening is reaching to check their phones right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I call it our Pavlovian dog reflex to text messaging. Yeah, that's probably why text messaging has a freaking 97% open rate. What? crazy high candidate response rate within the first hour alone. Which are all great reasons why the Chad and Cheese podcast love text to hire from Next. Love it. Yep, that's right. Next with the double X, not the triple X. Boom, chicka, bow, wow. So if you're in talent acquisition, (laughs) you want true engagement and great ROI. That stands for return on investment, folks. And because this is the Chad and Cheese podcast, you can try your first text-to-hire campaign for just 25% off. Boom! Wow! So how do you get this discount you're asking yourself right now? Tell them, Chad. It's very simple. You go to chadcheese.com and you click on the next logo in the sponsor area. Easy. No long URL to remember. Yeah. Just go where you know. Chadcheese.com and next with two X's. All right, make sure you got that uh, drink in hand. Anybody who wants a beer, if you would rather have a beer, we have beer up here at the Georgia stage, so. Good morning, everyone. You can tell there's very few things that would bring a crowd like this out at 9 (laughs) a.m. after a night on the town in New Orleans. So uh, props to our good friends, Chad and Cheese. Without further ado, here's Chad and the Deathmatch. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. So today we're going to do our very first death match. Okay. So hopefully everything goes out off without a hitch. Um, If you've listened to the podcast, we do firing squad. This is kind of like an iteration. What's going to happen is we have four contestants. They're going to have two minutes to pitch. No PowerPoint presentations. They're going free falling. Okay, so no PowerPoint presentations. They're going to do a two-minute pitch, and then after that, the balance of their time, their 15 minutes, is going to be Q&A by our American Idol judging panel. Last but not least, we have CEO from Uncommon, Tag Greninger. Come on, bring it today. There we go. Watch out. Stuff's being thrown. Excellent. All right. All right. So last, you know, you've got to really knock this out of the park after these guys, right? 
He's, he's not even paying attention. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, so you ready? I am ready. So you're from San Francisco. Yes, sir. What the hell are you doing with that hat? <laughs> All right. How you doing, everybody? Okay, Great. first thing I want to say is I love text messaging. I think text messaging is very important, but I'm here to talk about a completely different topic. And it's a topic that nobody in this room is talking about, and it's a topic that is the single most important thing to employers today. You know what that topic is? That topic is quality, okay, qualified candidates. And the reason nobody in this room is talking about qualified candidates is that nobody in this room can deliver qualified candidates to employers. But you know who is thinking a lot about qualified candidates right now? The people not in this room, okay? Yeah, I'm talking about those people that didn't stop by to pick up their resis yesterday. I'm talking about Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and even ZipRecruiter and Indeed, right? Those guys are not here because they're heads down with their data science teams trying to figure out how to deliver qualified applicants to employers, okay? It's scary. They're doing pretty well. But I have good news for you. My company's called Uncommon. We are a team of data scientists, serial entrepreneurs. Um, we just raised $18 million, and we have built a candidate matching system that is best in the industry for identifying qualified talent. Okay, so how does it work? We're the only system that shows for every candidate a side-by-side -side comparison of how that candidate stacks up to the qualifications of the position. Why is that so important? It's because recruiters love it. They love it because they understand it and they can configure it. Okay, so we brought this core technology to market in two ways. One, uh, an, a programmatic advertising product that delivers qualified active candidates. And the other one is a database search and candidate engagement system that delivers passive qualified candidates to employers. But they, make no mistake, we're a data company first and uh, we're here to provide the data. There it is. Industry so deeply needs. Thank you. Faith Rothberg, you've got the first question. Thanks, Dick. Woo! Thanks, guys. Right. So, just so you know, I own a job board. We do have qualified candidates. So I know I'm, I'm going to ruffle feathers. You, you might have pissed off one of the. I'm going to ruffle but, feathers. It's okay. Okay, it's a death match, so we're, we're good. Um, so, <laughs> my question for you, though, is that uh, when you talk about matching the qualifications. One of the things that's been in our industry as a problem for many, many years, and really um, I think that recruiters have not moved away from this yet, is that they put qualifications on job postings that are pretty much worthless, unneeded, unnecessary qualifications. Yep, totally agree. And so many candidates, they, they lose many of the qualified candidates because of screening them out. So. In your situation, how many basically false negatives do you have? How many candidates that should be looked at are falling through the cracks? Good, okay, so we've got false positives and false negatives, right? So in the world of passive search and engagement, false negatives are way worse. And in that world, we do pretty well. So I wouldn't say recruiters like 100% of our candidates. Of course they don't, right? We can't do that. Nobody can do that. But recruiters like more than 50% of our candidates uh, on average, and that's really pretty darn good. That beats the industry average of what recruiters generally get. On the active side, yes, you're right. We care about both false positives and false negatives. And one of the really nice things about the way our system works is that it's verifiable. So when we say that somebody is qualified, you can see side by side all the points that they match and why they're qualified. Now, I agree with you that um, they may not 
um, that the job, the qualifications and the job description are definitely not usually enough for a recruiter to like a candidate. So the recruiter also can put in place their own preferred qualifications behind the scenes that don't have to necessarily show up in the job description that are also used for additional filtering. So they're in control of that. And when they're seeing a lot of candidates they don't, they don't like, those false positives, then they can configure the system differently because it's a qualification-based system. On the false negative front, if we say someone's not qualified, we show exactly why. You're not qualified for this position because in the job description it says X and you don't have X. Very transparent. Um, so I'm actually going to piggyback on uh, Faith's question, take it a little deeper. Uh, I don't know what the stats are, maybe someone in the audience knows, but um, we all know that when qualifications are set out on a job posting, um, typically if a man is not 100% qualified, right, there's like a high percentage of them that will apply for the job, whereas women tend to be sticklers for if I don't have every single one of these things, I'm not going to apply. So my, I guess my question is, is there a little concern around um, gender bias and your solution? Yeah, good point. Okay, so one of the things we do, first of all, is we give more information back to the candidate than any other system that I've seen. So as a candidate, if they're coming through as an active candidate and actually applying to the position through our system, we actually show them where they stand. We show them, okay, thank you for uploading your resume. Um, here's where we see you comparing to the qualifications of the position. Um, ver verify this for us. You know, is it really true you don't have the skill? Or is it really true that you do have these skills or this experience, whatever it is? And that gives the candidate a chance to kind of see where they stand. Um, and I think helps to put uh, people different level over and under reporting onto the same uh, playing field. The second thing, which I think is really cool that actually helps with this kind of gender difference, is that we don't go through and look at the skills based on the keywords in the resume. We actually go and look at the job roles and companies this person's worked in, and we actually predict skills that we think you probably have given that background. So there's patterns in the kind of skills people have in different positions. So we're um, trying to surface for them, hey, you might not have mentioned that you have great experience with Mongo, but we know that Mongo's used at that company. Is it true that you have Mongo? experience. So we're actually giving a chance for them to kind of claim the skills that they might not have thought of putting forward, which is kind of cool. Let's talk about your pricing model for a little bit, your ah, pay per qualified I didn't candidate. say anything about pricing. Well, we're going to bring it up. <laughs> um, I've interviewed you a few times. Um, companies are still trying, a lot of companies are, try are still trying to get their head around pay per click. Um, it seems to me a little bit like you're shooting yourself in the foot and trying to re-educate the market on what your pricing model is. How are you tackling that challenge? Yeah, fair enough. Um, so we did launch with a CPQA, cost per qualified applicant. I know many of you have looked at CPQA and try in some cases to optimize the CPQA. We put our money where our mouth is when we, at, when we launched and we uh, delivered candidates on a CPQA basis. In other words, you only paid for a qualified applicant. Actually changing the pricing model now because we're finding the data is useful in more contexts like the passive search and the active search and so on. And it was a little limiting. So we are still optimizing to a CPQA. So I think most people in this room are trying to shift from CPC to maybe CPA. I believe the long-term destination for all of us is CPQA because that's the only thing that the employer cares about. That's the only time when the employer um, receives value. So um, I'm not currently pricing on that. We price on a per seat basis at the moment. So we have, it's negotiable, but a couple hundred bucks a month per seat per recruiter open certain number of positions, you can do active sourcing, you can do passive sourcing, all qualified applicants. 15 minutes right. is actually a long so time. I am, I am, uh, I'm actually still trying to absorb a little bit of what you said in regard to, um, yeah, it, okay, so in regard to the candidate's skill sets, you're right about getting qualified candidates as far as pricing goes, but you're, you're not going far enough down the stream because I definitely think it's going to get to cost per hire, but hmm? 
for right now, how are you actually able to say they truly have those skills and that there's qualified? Like, yep. qualified can be subjective, right? So how do, you, how do you know that? And is it objective based on what? Totally. Okay, great question. So first of all, if you think about the different pricing models you can have on the kind of value spectrum, the least value you can give is someone's click, right? That's like the far end. If someone clicked, they didn't apply, you know, there's very little intent there and so on. Then you can have a, so CPC, you can have a CPA, right? Um, and on the other far end, you can have a cost per hire. That's obviously the best, right? Our entire industry ought to be organized around trying to decrease the cost per hire, right? And if everybody in the industry were actually paid only based on hire, a lot of stuff would be cleaned up, right? We would all be changing the way our businesses operate. We would all, we'd be looking for quality way back further in the pipeline. Um, or in the funnel, much, much earlier in the funnel. But um, if you wait and try to optimize, if you try to take an algorithm and try to select candidates, select job boards, select language in your job description, do all this optimization based on a cost per hire, it's very, very difficult because hires happen one in many hundred candidates or sometimes one in many thousand clicks. You actually get a hire, right? So if you're, I don't know if any of you have studied you know, any statistics or data science, but when you try to read a pattern into that, it's very, very hard. So um, even though that's the goal and that's the true north for all of us, we've chosen something which is still a very useful signal, which is this qualified application. It's not, it's much more frequent, the data is much denser, so we're much a better able to optimize. We can, for example, easily optimize the job boards in our plan or easily optimize the CPC bids that we're sending off to job boards based on the qualified applicant because it's something that, that we're getting that signal all the time. It's much, much more frequent signal. If we wait until we get a cost per hire, how am I supposed to know that should I only spend on the job board that produced my one hire? That doesn't make any sense, right? So the qualified applicant, you said, how do I know that it's objective? Agreed. That, that, you know, I, I know, I'm no guarantee that this person is going to be liked by the recruiter or by the hiring manager. All I'm doing is the first rough cut. And the reason why that's valuable is that there's so many unqualified candidates in the stream today. I mean, Yes, job boards are all working on trying to improve the quality of their applicants. But if you think from an employer perspective, you talk to employers, their experience of a recruiter today doing active advertising is that they're getting 90% applicants that don't even meet the basic qualifications of the position, right? People that don't have the right ed educational background, haven't worked in the right industry or haven't worked in the right roles. I'm not trying to go and find you your candidate to hire. I'm just trying to weed out all the folks that at the moment are pure noise that you really shouldn't have to even look at. And that's like, a, to me, a very rough cut, but a very valuable and useful rough cut in the industry. I work with a lot of clients who are Fortune 500 who have <laughs> never spent the time to overhaul their job postings because of compliance, legal, et cetera. And so there are job postings out there that are two sentences long, or they have titles that are non-standard nomenclature. They're titles that only they understand internally. How would you address that? as their vendor partner. Good, so first of all, I don't have a product. I'll be very clear about what pieces we have and don't have. So we have a vision, we have a great product to do programmatic advertising today. Um, I don't have a system to optimize job descriptions. But one of the cool things about measuring qualified applications is that it provides a good signal that you could use to optimize job descriptions. So we see, as you do, massive differences between a well-constructed job description and a poorly constructed job description, right? Um, and you can have a 10x difference in the clicks, you know, click rate, conversion rate, and also in the qualification rate. So, um, for example, if, you know, what the job post, the way it was advertised sort of when you first start on the job board doesn't match actually the details when you go and read it, you get a pretty low qualification rate. People don't read very carefully, they click apply, and it turns out they don't have any qualifications. So, I think it's a cool direction. We don't do it at the moment. 
Um, one thing I do want to mention, though, is for job boards, because I know this room have a lot of job boards in it, we uh, haven't productized this yet, but it's a kind of conversation that I, I'm interested in having and that I think can be really valuable for many of you, um, is uh, to use our APIs to go and actually check the qualification. And again, this is the rough cut meeting the basic qualifications of the position, the qualification of each candidate to each position before you pass that candidate on to an employer. So I know many of you um, have QBR at the end of every quarter or at the end of every year and you're looking to get renewals uh, from your clients and you often have this meeting with surprise. We're saying, well, we really love you guys. You did a great CPA, you did a great CPC for us, but we didn't make any hires or we only made two hires or whatever it is, right? And it's like this big surprise. You're like, I thought I was sending you good stuff. I was really trying. My team was really trying. And we didn't apparently send you enough good stuff. And now I'm getting optimized off the plan. I just wasted a lot of my time and a lot of my team's time and money, right? So one thing uh, that I want to try out with some of you, it's a very new thing for us, would be for those of you who are interested to be able to hit a simple API and actually pull back from your database the positions that this candidate is actually qualified for, or the other way around, if you have a position, to pull out the candidates in your database that uh, you should email about this position, the candidates that would actually be qualified for this position. We have both APIs. $18 million in investment. Congratulations. How are you investing that money, and does your vision require more money uh, down the road? We're buying a lot of yellow notebooks, and we're putting them on all of the chairs. Okay, no, the money, the money, the money all goes to pay for uh, staff, and we, obviously we have a team that's really heavy on software engineers and data science. Uh, that's the right answer, but it's true. I don't actually have a single salesperson right now. I have a contract salesperson, and uh, I have myself. Um, so yeah, the money is being spent to build out core technology, and um, uh, what else can I say? Bring great products to market. Oh, more money? Yeah, we're gonna raise a Series B. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think we're going to get to enough profitability on a Series A, so I'm hoping um, when we kind of can go and show our investors the kind of traction we've had with this model so far, we'll raise a Series B in 2019, probably. Thank you, and where can our audience find out more about you? Yes, thank you very much. www.uncommon.co. You can email me at tag at uncommon.co, at CO at the end. Thanks, Tag. Thanks, Uncommon. Thank you. Good job. Good job. I want to thank all the contestants. Okay, let's hear it for the Chad and Cheese Deathmatch. This has been the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Thanks to our partners at TA Tech, the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. Remember to visit tatech.org. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.